0: Work-life imbalance has nothing to do with how much yoga we do. Work-life imbalance means I feel safe at home, but I don't feel safe at work. That's the imbalance. And no amount of yoga or free snacks in the cafeteria will solve that. (laughs) It's leadership. It's a leadership problem.
1: Hi, I'm Marie Forleo, and you are listening to the Marie Forleo Shortcast, the key insights from my conversations with some of the world's top thought leaders on how we can all build towards a better life. In this episode, you're going to hear parts of my conversation with Simon Sinek, the best-selling author of Start With Why, How Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action. He also wrote Leaders Eat Last, Why Some Teams Pull Together and Others Don't. And if you haven't guessed it already, yep, we're going to be talking about leadership on this shortcast. One of Simon's key definitions of leadership is that a leader is not directly responsible for the results, but instead they're responsible for the people that are responsible for the results. So if you want to know what that distinction is all about, stay tuned for the best moments of my interview with Simon Sinek about what great leadership entails. He's even going to share the story with you of one of his own mentors who went above and beyond for his employees. I think you're going to love it. Simon, thank you so much for being here.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: So we've known each other for years, and I just want to thank you for your work because I've shared Start With Why countless times on TV before and with our B-Schooler, so it's great to finally thank have you in the chair. I really appreciate here. you
0: helping me spread the message. Yeah,
1: of course. So you wrote in Leader Last, and I so believe this with my heart, how when we get the environment right, that humans will do remarkable things, mm-hmm. and that really is true It's not just that they're better, that we all have that capacity. And I was wondering if you could speak to that.
0: Yeah, it's a very basic idea. You know, we're social animals. Our happiness, our joy, our success, everything is dependent on our relationships. And we respond to the environments we're in. You can take a good person and put them in a bad environment, and they're capable of doing bad things. Likewise, you can take a person that the group or even society has given up on and you put them in a good environment and they're capable of turning their lives around and really making something remarkable out of themselves. We are social animals and we respond to the environments we're in and leaders are responsible for building that environment. And If you create an environment in which people feel safe amongst their own, the natural human response to those conditions is trust and cooperation. Remember trust and cooperation are feelings, they're not instructions. There's no PowerPoint or pitch that you can give upon the end that someone will trust you. You can't tell somebody, trust me. It doesn't work that way. They're feelings. Likewise, if you create an environment where we actually fear each other, fear the people with whom we work, the natural human reaction to that environment is paranoia, cynicism, mistrust, and self-interest. That's what happens. There's enough danger outside the organization, there's enough stuff going on outside that we should have to fear the people we work with or fear our own leaders. And most leaders don't get this. Most leaders think leadership is about being in charge. No, it's not. It's about taking care of those in your charge. Most leaders think everybody works for them. No, you work for the people in your organization. It is your responsibility to take care of them, make them feel safe, and they will naturally want to cooperate and work hard and give you their blood and sweat and tears to advance your vision. All they ask is you take care of them, make them feel valued and valuable, and the rest takes care of itself. It's like a parent, it's like a coach, Teach them, train them, give them the opportunity to fall and try again. And if they fear the leader, then they're going to take steps to protect themselves from the leader. And so it's all about this environment, this circle of safety.
1: Yeah, which I want to dive deeper Mm. into. And I felt like there was such a powerful question you write for all of us to ask ourselves. Mm. um, Whether we consider ourselves in a leadership role or not, the question is how safe do you feel where you work? Mm. And I thought that was just so incredible for all of us to reflect upon mm. because for me as the owner of a company, it it speaks largely to like, how am I being? Mm. How are we interacting? How have we set things up? And do I feel safe? Do my people feel mm-hmm. safe? And I just think it's such a brilliant question for us to ask and then answer. And I'd love you to perhaps unpack circle of safety because I think that's genius. Well, let's
0: be crystal clear in what I mean by safe. It doesn't mean that you can't get in trouble. It doesn't mean that there isn't discipline. It doesn't mean that it's a charity and everybody just floats along. That's not what we're talking (laughs) about here. What we mean is that there's enough pressure coming from the outside, the ups and downs of an economy, the uncertainty of the future, um, the whims of a stock market, your competition, That is sometimes trying to put you out of business sometimes trying to kill you but at the very minimum they're frustrating your growth like there's enough pressure over which we have no control these things are a constant the only variable inside an organization is the environment that is entirely within our control and that's the leader's responsibility and if the leaders make the people feel like they're given an education on how to do their job the opportunity to try and try again um, the opportunity to build their confidence and become their best selves, the opportunity to interact and build strong relationships. This is what I mean by feeling safe, that I love the people I work with, I love where I work, I enjoy going there. And so when that when that circle of safety is provided, two remarkable things happen. First, the people feel safe, so they will work extra hard to see that the leader's vision advan- is advanced, but they will also in turn take care of their leader. So if a leader doesn't feel safe from their own people, It's because the leader isn't taking care of their people. Remember, we call someone leader not because they're in charge, but because they went first, first into the unknown, first towards the danger, first to protect the people, because everybody just stands there and says, what are we going to do? It's the leader says, I got it. I got your backs. That's why we call you leader. I know many people who sit at the highest levels of organizations who aren't leaders. They have authority. We do as they tell us because they have authority over us, but we wouldn't follow them. We wouldn't work to keep them safe and advance their vision. And I know many people who sit at the lowest levels of organizations that have no authority, but absolutely are leaders because they've made the choice to look after the person to the left of them and to take care of the person to the right of them. That is what it means to be a leader. Having a position of authority simply means that you get to operate at greater scale and influence more people. But a leader can never feel safe until the people feel safe first. That's the responsibility of the leader, to start to go first.
1: So a concept that you share in the book is this idea of trust coming from above. Yeah. And Bob Chapman, yeah. incredible human being.
0: Spectacular human being.
1: And I think I've read in the acknowledgements, someone you consider a mentor of yours. I first. do.
0: I have, he has become a friend, yes.
1: I was wondering if you could share a bit of his story for those who might not know of him.
0: Bob Chapman is the CEO of a company called Barry Waymiller. It's about a $2 billion company with about... 7,000 employees, so it's not like, oh, it's a, you know it's four people and we all love each other like family. No, this, is, this has some scale and it's spread out uh, across the nation. Um, and Bob made a realization a bunch of years ago that every single person in his company is someone's son someone, and someone's daughter. And they have given their son and daughter to him with the hope that their son and daughter will thrive and do well in the world. And he has a responsibility to take care of their sons and their daughters. And he realized this, and it completely and profoundly changed the way in which he ran his company. Because he used to run his company like anybody used to run their company by the numbers, and he saw people as a disposable resource. And this profoundly changed his point of view. And I think it really, really came to bear in two thousand and eight. We now live in a world in which the concept of layoffs has become so normal we don't even perceive it as a bad thing. You know, that's like being a functional alcoholic. Sure, you can get through the day; doesn't mean you're healthy. Mass layoffs, in other words, using people to balance the books did not exist as a standard business practice in the United States prior to the 1980s. Did not exist, right? Only as a last, last, last resort to save a dying company, maybe. But the way we use it now, like, we're going to send you home to tell your family that uh, you can no longer provide for them because we missed our projections. I mean, that's nuts. So Bob, his company in 2008, and it's a large manufacturing company, good old fashioned blue collar, right? And they lost 30% of their orders due to the 2008 stock market crash. And so not only did the business dry up, the pipeline dried up. Mm. And so the board got together, they needed to save $10 million. They could no longer afford their labor pool. And so as is normal in this day and age, the board says, we need to have layoffs. And Bob refused because Bob does not believe in head counts. Bob believes in heart counts. And it's very hard to simply reduce a heart count. And so instead, what they implemented was a furlough program where every single employee, regardless of their position in the company, had to take four weeks of unpaid vacation. They could take it whenever they wanted, and they did not have to take it consecutively. And it was how Bob announced the program that was equally as powerful. He said, it's better we should all suffer a little than any of us should have to suffer a lot. And morale went up. And as you would expect when a circle of safety like that is provided, the natural human reactions, not selfishness, the natural human reactions to take care of each other. So behaviors started to show up that weren't part of the program that nobody predicted. (laughs) People who could afford it more started trading with people who could afford it less. So someone would take five weeks so that someone else only had to take three. Mm -hmm. And when the uh, economy improved and business improved, everybody had remained. They repaid all the 401k that they had frozen, backpaid it. You cannot steal their employees. They are happy and fulfilled. I've met some of them. I've met people who come to tears talking about their jobs. It's amazing what he's built. And he wrote about his experience in his book, Everybody Matters, which really takes you through sort of the stuff he did. It's really remarkable.
1: So this was just genius. I'm wondering, is there any closing thought that you wanna leave us with, Simon?
0: It's, it takes practice and it is a daily practice. You're not gonna be an expert tomorrow. Leadership is the practice of putting the lives of others sometimes ahead of our interests. So practicing leadership is like um, driving to work in the morning and someone wants to cut in your lane. Do you pull forward or do you pull back? That's leadership. Like, we don't know. Maybe they're running late for a big interview and they've been unemployed for six months. Maybe maybe their boss is an ogre and they left late because their kids, you know, had trouble getting out to school today. Like, I don't know why they're late. You know? I don't know why they're cutting in. Or maybe they're just a bastard. I don't know. but. <laughs> We can sacrifice being at work one car length late, you know? That's leadership.
1: Simon's point about us being social animals is such an important one, right? I mean, we have to keep in mind that we were actually designed to take care of each other, so much so that our brain releases oxytocin, often referred to as the love hormone when people do nice things for us and when we do nice things for others. So we should really let that be our guide and our approach to leadership. And remember that ultimately, the leader serves their team and not the other way around. I want to thank Simon Sinek for all of these wonderful insights. And thanks to all of you who were here to listen to them. And if you're still here listening, please help us out by rating this episode. We'd love to know what you thought. Until next time, stay on your game and keep going for your big dreams.